Okay, if you'd open your Bible to James chapter 1, we got uh, at the 11th, 12th verse, we got as far as that last week. We'll, we'll finish off the chapter, God willing. Let's pray. Father, we pray you'd, it's your word. It's not our word. We want to understand it. And, you know, even before we get to that verse, I don't want to be a forgetful here. I don't want to be the kind of guy who looks at his face in the mirror, walks away and forget what I look like. So, Lord, even from the get-go, bless us so that sort of thing is not named among us. Uh, Lord, just speak to our hearts like only you can. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. James chapter 1. We'll start in verse 12. I think we finished in verse 11. We might have finished in verse 12. Regardless, 12 is a good place to start. Blessed is a man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Will you be tempted? Yes. Yes. James chapter 1 says, uh, James chapter 1 verse 12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. It doesn't say if you get tempted. Oh, it's when. Okay? We have an adversary. And he's going to make sure that we are tempted. Does God tempt? No, we're going to see in another verse or two that he does not. Does he allow temptation to come into our life? Yes. Why? Well, it furthers his purpose. We're supposed to endure and we're supposed to overcome. And that's a helpful thing in our lives. Um, temptation. There's nothing, nothing about temptation. Uh, you know, I, people's theology is bad here sometimes. And I just want to clear this up. I remember, you know, having a debate with somebody who said Jesus sinned. And I said, that is, not, yeah, not only is untrue, it's blasphemy. That's the right word. That's, that's, that's absurd. He was a spotless lamb. And the only way he could die for our sins is to have no sin for himself. And she pointed out, she, I gave it away. She, it's not my wife, okay? Nobody you know, just forget. The person said, well, Jesus was tempted. I thought like, yeah, so? And I'm thinking, maybe in her mind, she equates temptation with falling into sin, which probably tells me a lot more about her than it tells me about Jesus Christ. We're all tempted. That doesn't, that doesn't mean a thing. That means that Satan is active in our life. That's all it means. And I say Satan, you understand, I mean, demon hordes. I probably never met Satan. He probably has bigger fish to fry. But undoubtedly, I have some buck private demon assigned to my case like you have to yours. And they are trying to get us to trip up. Trip up. It serves their purpose. But blessed is the man, happy is the man that endureth temptation. I love this. Sometimes temptation comes and it's, that's easy peasy. That's, that's nothing I'm really, because Satan doesn't know. And sometimes it's very hard to overcome. And he's baiting a hook that I want to consume. Because the nature of my flesh, the nature of your flesh, is some things appeal to you, some things don't. He'll, he knows. He, eventually, you know, they, they, they've, they see us fall enough times to understand what... So I'm like, oh, God, you've got to show up right now in a big way and, and rescue me. Because I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to fall. I don't want to. And then when he does, you know what happens? You get more and more confidence in his ability to rescue you. And you get that boldness that Scripture says, the righteous are bold as a lion. I love that. I love being bold. I love being fearless. 
What do you got? Satan, what do you got? Fallen angel? I got the God of the universe on my team. He lives inside of me. I can access his power and he can deliver me. That's awesome. And I love being bold. Uh, the Bible says that the unrighteous, they run away even when nobody's chasing them. I don't want to be slinking around, looking over my shoulder, fearful all the time. I'm, I want to be that blessed man that endureth temptation. You're going to be tempted. Might as well have, have victory. When he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. It's one of the, I think it's five or six, I think six. I'm only going by memory of crowns that are, does this mean salvation? I don't think so. I think it means a specific crown that's, that, that, is, that, the, um, that the believer gets when they're in heaven. Besides salvation, you have rewards. Scripture is pretty clear on this. I'm not really crown guy. I don't, you know, we don't, I, I see nobody wearing crowns today. <laughs> it's kind of good. We'd laugh at you, frankly. Uh, it, we're, we're not crown people. We're not, we're not, we don't like the idea of royalty. That's for the Brits or some European monarchy that has no power anymore that's just to show. We don't, we don't do that in America. We rebel against that. We don't, we don't like people walking around with crowns. We think they're crackpots or something like that. In heaven, it's, it's a really cool thing. Say, I'm not sure I'm into it. In Revelation, don't you understand, you cast your crown before the Lamb, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord. So I, I, my own theology, my own way of looking at this, these crowns have our, uh, something to do with our capacity to worship Jesus Christ eternally, and now all of a sudden crowns become very important to me personally. I want to receive a crown of life. It's just one of the things I want to, I want to cast at the feet of Jesus Christ. And the Lord has promised uh, these things to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. That's wrong. Why? For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. He wouldn't do that. Does he let temptation come into our life? Yeah, yeah, he does. And he wants us to overcome it. He wants us to lean in hard on him. Well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna screw up all my courage and I'm just gonna resolve not to <laughs> Satan laughs at our white knuckles. I, you ever hear me say that before? If it, it, it just, it just you're, you're just. Oh, I'm just gonna huff and puff and what and fall into temptation. It's a supernatural thing. It needs supernatural power to overcome the flesh. Now let me get this straight. You, in the power of your flesh, are gonna overcome the power of your flesh. <laughs> Draw me a diagram. I don't even know how that works. And sure, there is some part of you that's involved there, but it's mostly your decision. Lord, I, I like this. I want this. God, forgive me. Help me to overcome. I know where this leads. I understand the guilt. I understand, the, the, again, that, 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 that sense of unrighteousness. I don't, I, don't want, I don't want it in my life. I want to be an example. I want to show my children. I want to show my grandchildren. I want to show society at large. This is what a godly man looks like in this situation. I don't want to fall. Done it. Been there, done that. Bought the t-shirt. Nothing to it. Satan is a liar. When he's lying, he's speaking his native tongue. Check this out. This is really good. And we, we bite into the apple. I'm using that as a metaphor. And then we, what do we have? Stolen water is a sweet. But then we end up with a mouthful of gravel, right? No thanks. No thanks. You're a liar, Satan. God, help me out in this situation. Will he? No, he just leaves you flapping in the breeze. He just, figure it out yourself, right? Come on. Come on, what loving, 
Father does that. Our loving Heavenly Father always comes to our rescue. He never leaves us unaided, unabetted. He doesn't tempt us, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. We have this fallen nature. We have this traitor who lives within us, who's not after the things of God. And we've got to understand how to overcome and how to lean in on God and, and trust in his strength. This, this, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing when you've practiced when you get really good at it. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. It just, I don't know. Am I kind of speaking in an echo chamber? Has anyone, because this is a really good place for an amen. Like, I understand what you're saying, Adam. I agree. Yes, that's it. Overcoming uh, temptation is nothing like it. I, I, I love when God is active in my life and shows up on my behalf and fights my battles and his victory. I love that. Okay. <laughs> I, I just want to make sure I'm not, somebody said, that, you know, I'm not the only one who experiences these things. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Now, we talk about lust, and everyone thinks in the idea of sexual lust. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's one of them. But, I don't, you know, you can lust for material possessions. You can, you know, lust for a new car or a new house or, a, or clothing or jewelry or money or wealth or fame or influence, or you, you can lust for a thousand and one things. And if I haven't covered your thing, the, the heart is an idle factor, and we lust for a lot of things that aren't God. We want to put in the place of God. But when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Sometimes, no, every time. You know, just talk about uh, giving into sex sin. How's that benefit in your marriage step out extracurricularly extramaritally you have an affair that brings death to a marriage this is a good example it's not certainly not the only example but death always has that a sin always has the death principle worked into it death to relationships when i'm a selfish jerk how's that advancing my relationship it's not death works sin the wages of sin is death you're saying well i'm not dying well Things around you are, like I say, relationships are. Uh, you know, you, you involve, involve yourself with a lot of sin. It does not promote longevity. It has the death principle worked in. Sin bringeth forth death. If no other reason, I don't want to involve myself, but that's reason enough, isn't it? Don't am my uh, beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, no shadow of turning. I like that about God. He doesn't change. He gives us every good gift. Now, we, see, the problem is we don't think that. We don't think in terms of that. So we want to replace what he gives us with the counterfeit because it's easy and it's accessible. Like, everyone needs love. No argument. Okay, good. We'll settle for lust. It's Satan's cheap counterfeit. We need love. We'll settle for lust. How many young girls have given themselves away before marriage because, well, he said he loves me. And what, what are they after? They're after love. Everyone needs love. Now here God says, I love you. God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Does God love us? Yes. So we're loved, and if we count and reason that, then we don't need any uh, counterfeit. 
God loves me. That's taken care of. Now, <laughs> I'm all set. I don't have to, I don't have to absorb it with self-love or try to get a cheap counterfeit. I understand God loves me. Taken care of. I am loved. And we all need that. Well, God gives me the real. Why would I settle for the counterfeit? I need, you know what a person needs? A person needs significance. They need their life to be about something. How many of you people think you're like, I'm really unique. There's nobody quite like me. Really? Oh, oh right, Maine, where nobody raises their hand. <laughs> no, you think you're just run-of-the-mill, you're average, you're ordinary? You were turned out on a, like a, a press or something? No, we all feel like we're unique. So I'm looking at a room full of people who are very average but unique, right? <laughs> no, no. If I said that, I'd expect that you'd, you'd take that as an insult. If I believed it, I'd, it would be insulting if somebody said that about me. You're made in the image of God. You have significance. See, evolution says this. You were pawn scum, or your late greats were. You got hit by lightning, and now here you are. No real purpose for being here. You're just a rearranged pawn scum. You're just a cosmic happy accident. Here you are. And we're like, that can't be all there is, right? That can't even be true. We can't live like it's true. We can't, we, can't, we can't even process those things. So basically, there is no reason to be. I am insignificant. I will die. I will go back to molecules. That's it. Hmm. You plan on spreading that good news, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, evolutionary Evangelist? That's, uh, you know what I mean? What's the purpose? What's the point? What's the, what's the there is none. Huh. I see why, you know, children are taking their life. Basically, you're an animal. Grab for all the gusto, satisfy every urge. It's a great way to live. We know better. No, every good and every good, uh, perfect work, uh, gift comes down from above. It comes from the Father of Lights. Does he want to give us good gifts? Yes! I mean, you know, I'm reading Leviticus tonight. If you do this, you'll get this. If you do this, you get this. If you do this, you get this. And he gives these promises like, listen, I'm not after. I'm not like, ah, I can't believe you're doing. No, no, no I want to bless. I want to, I can't bless your sin. You know, I don't know if you've had this. You had a, a child like in your house, like taking drugs or getting drunk all the time, living some sort of uh, really depraved, wicked lifestyle. You can't, you can't extend your grace, uh, your roof, to, to countenance that. Hey, yeah, send, a, send up a storm in my house. How's that a benefit to anybody? It's not a benefit to my house and the, and the, the godliness of my house. It's not a benefit to that, that child who's doing that. I would kick somebody like that. If somebody in my house was doing that, I'd kick them right out to the glory of God. I mean... I love you. Out. Where am I going to go? Mm. Well, you can stay here, but you got to get rid of that whatever depravity, whatever, whatever. You, you can't. You can't be bringing that into my house. God has. He's. He's like me. <laughs> I'm like him. He was. He's the original. I'm the cheap imitation. I understand what it is to be a father who wants to bless his children. Don't you, men? 
And you don't have to even be a man. Aren't you a, ladies, don't you want to bless your children? Don't you want to give them everything? Don't you want to shower them with love and with happiness and with health and with all the good things that your, your heart has? God the same way. Matter of fact, we got that from Him. Every good and perfect gift comes down from heaven. From the Father of lights. I know, I say Father, and some of you guys cringe. Because your father was not a blessing father. But you understand, you've seen it. You understand what it is to be blessed by a father who loves you, who has your... Well, God's that blessing father who loves to give good gifts to his children. It says so right here. And he doesn't change. I love that. You're not the exception. My wife always says, yeah, God loves everyone, but I'm his favorite. Of course she's right, but so are you when you say it. We're all his favorites. He loves us. He's, he's lo- just, just think about this for a second. Because I know you came here and you don't feel very loved. Because your focus hasn't been on God maybe perhaps as much as it should. If, if, if anyone else who thought about you as much as God would call it an obsession. Because we don't use words like that when we're describing God. It sounds a little irreverent, doesn't it? His thoughts toward you are more in number than the sea the sand by the sea. That's a big number. He can't not think of you. I would say obsessed again. He never takes his eyes off you. His love for you is so dramatic, so intense, so... We, we write songs about it. We make movies about it. We, we try to get our arms around it. It's really indescribable. And we see it best when we look at the cross. Jesus Christ, the God of the universe, bleeding out all his blood on the floor to tell you how much he loves you, to make it so that you can have a right relationship with God. God so loved the world that what? He gave his only son. That's remarkable. Oh, I guess I'm loved. I guess I don't have to worry about it. I guess God's got it. Every good and every good uh, perfect gift comes out of him. Like salvation like blessing, like health, like everything. And he doesn't change. There is no shadow. There's no variable. He used to be that blessing God. Now he's kind of bugged at us. Now he's ticked off. Tom was saying earlier, he's, gonna get, he's out to get us. He got Jesus on your behalf. He is not out to get us. And he doesn't change. Just think about a God who changes. Our God can't change. Why? He couldn't get any better. He wouldn't get any worse. And he's always been, and he always will be. And I like that about him. We say in Hebrews, we were saying a few weeks ago, right? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, like father, like son, of course. Of his own will, begat he us with the word of truth. Uh, Provisionally, I mean, you're, you're Christians, right? He's writing to the diaspora, the, the Christians who have gone on all the different directions to the 12 tribes. This is what James is writing to. Uh, he, he, what, how did he, how did he, so uh, he begat us. Read here, born again, right? He had us as children, if you want to re- put it that way. How did he do it? With the word of truth. That we should be kind of first fruits of his crea- creatures. So he, he, he saved us by his word. The gospel of Jesus Christ saves. What else saves? Anyone got any other ideas? 
Yeah, perf a life lived perfectly. Never sinned once ever. <laughs> Try that when you say, nah, that ship has already sailed. I'm not, I'm not going to qualify there. What's the other option? The grace of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, extended to everyone. Listen, this is revolution. This is new. This is kind of like, it is so new, it's so obvious. It's kind of lost traction here in America. Talk, talk to anybody. Do you believe in God? Yeah, there's probably a divine being somehow, somewhere. Uh, do you believe in heaven? Yes, I don't think this is all there is. Well, how do you get to this heaven you believe in? Well, I think if you're a good person and you just do more good than bad, you are ridiculous. You don't know. You are blatherscape. Nothing is coming out that's making it. Wait, where did you get that? What verse is that? What, what version of the Bible is that? How do you, and we universally accept it as so. And, it's not, and the Bible knows nothing of you doing more good than bad and earning heaven. The Bible knows that we come to God on the basis of what Jesus has done on the cross, period. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. He has begot us again by his truth, specifically the truth of the gospel. Aren't you glad? Because if I had a way out my good and my bad, I would want to go to God uh, on my best day with that in mind, not, not even after I preached the gospel or anything. I wouldn't want to go to him and say, yeah, weigh it all out, give me what I deserve. That's the sure remedy for hell. Uh, that's going to end in going to hell. Every time. Every time. But no, we're not going to hell. He begot us with the word of his truth. That we should be kind of first fruits of his creatures. Does any other creatures get saved? Sea turtles? <laughs> they hear the gospel and in another incarnation, Jesus came as a sea turtle and died for their... I don't think so. I'm not saying there aren't animals in heaven. I don't, I don't, I don't know that. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. There are horses. We come, we, I don't know where they are right now, but we come back with Jesus, come back to the earth, we're riding horses that fly, by the way. I saw one lady, I was teaching Revelation, she was saying, oh, I don't know if I'd like that. I, I'm, I'm afraid of horses. I'm like, you're not afraid that your horse that you're on is riding across the sky, but you're afraid of horses. That's kind of, okay, sis. No, in your glorified body, you're not afraid of flying, there is no fear of falling, and you're not afraid of horses eternally. Trust me, okay? God's got it all set up. And it's, uh, anyway, we're kind of first fruits of his creatures, by the way. That just so that you and the peregrine falcons are all equal. Sue's got a little bit of a debate with somebody on Facebook. Did anyone ever do that before? Just Sue's, right? People are like, hey, listen, can I say something? You're on Facebook, God bless you. Still be courteous. Still remember that you love Jesus. Even if you're typing, okay? God, sanctify our thumbs before we press post. I kind of say a lot of stuff on this. Suze wouldn't be like that. You know, you know how she is. She's got a little bit of a, a tiff with somebody who, you know, told us that we were just, you know, everyone was the same and something about she wouldn't even kick a rat out of her bed or something. Or I, I, can't, I was hearing it through the, and it was, not very exciting to me, you know, but this, but anyway, it's like, really? Nobody lives that way. People say that with their mouth, but nobody lives that way. Nobody. Everyone slaps at a mosquito when they are, oh, yeah, but warm blood and cold blood. How do you get these arbitrary, crazy ideas of the temperature of blood means value of life? How does that work? And you still put a mouse trap when you have a mouse in your pantry, don't you? 
Oh, these are valuable. Yeah, I, I think they are too. I think uh, um, all animals are given to us, and many of them are a blessing, and some of them are a nuisance after the fall. And I still slap at mosquitoes. Think I'm a horrible human being? Get over it. No, we're the first fruits of God's creation. First fruits here doesn't mean first. And we're created last, okay? And I think he saved the best for last. And we're the only creatures made in the image of God. Sea turtles aren't. Peregrine falcons aren't. I'm not saying peregrine falcons aren't wonderful. If you're a bird person and you go out there with your binoculars, God bless you. It's a wonderful hobby, I'm guessing. Looking at all God's creation. You're unique. You're creating God's image. And the Bible specifically says that in this verse, among others. Wherefore, my beloved brother, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Again, he's talking about, remember, he's saying, like, this is Christianity. This is what a mature Christian does. This is what an immature Christian does. And it's all through the book. And here's just another example, okay? Um, be swift to hear, slow to speak. Now, someone will say, you've got two ears and one mouth. And that's the kind of living parable on your head, right? It, it tells us that we should be listening twice as much as we speak. I'm given to loquaciousness, okay? And you know that. Here, I can't do that because people didn't come here to look at me. They came here to hear the word of God espoused. But I really, really try when I'm doing like, a, when I'm visiting, like we're having dinner with Norman Sandy Labonte yesterday, and I don't, I try not, I, I try to throttle it back and not take over the conversation. I try to let, you know, conversation goes where it will, in a place that glorifies God. And I try to add to it and fuel the fire when it's in a good, you guys like that? And I try not to make it all about me. I want you to hurry up and shut up so I can make my point because my points are so startling and so pearls of erudition will fall from my lips if you just shut up and give me half the chance to... Oh, my goodness. I, you get real tedious being around people like that. It's, 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 it's just they just want to hear themselves speak. They're not listening to you. They're waiting for you to shut up so they can hurry up and make their point. Don't. No. Be slow to speak. You say less, I think you say more important things. I really do. I know, you know, uh, guys can uh, hang around and go fishing and never talk all day and have a great time. Women are a little different. And I'm not... Somebody's going to say, well, no, it's not like that with me. It's not like There's always exceptions to every rule, okay? If you've seen a group of women at a, like a table, like at a, at a woman's conference, there's like eight women at a table and there's four or five different conversations going, and every woman has every strand of every conversation. I've seen it. And they, guys, guys, they're so cute. They think we're like that, and we are not. No, no, no. We As a table, there's one guy talking, everyone's kind of, and then it's somebody else's turn. And, and if you guys are having this other conversation, it's kind of considered a little bit rude, and we can't, do two conversations. Guys, we, we don't have it. <laughs> Women are superior beings in so many ways. Not only can they make babies and stuff, and it's crazy, but they do things like they can multitask in ways that we couldn't even hope to. So when we're watching a football game later on, they come to us and they're telling us something, and then later on we don't act on it. They say, I told you, and we're like, what? And they really think that they... Just that we gave them, that they gave us information that we could discern and act upon. <laughs> we so can't. We don't have that ability. Uh, women, they get together and they talk. God bless them. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that's a bad thing 
in any way, shape, or form. Guys get together and we, we talk to, we do that. But so we can just hang out, we don't even have to say anything, and we had a really good day together. Because my wife comes, she goes, uh, so we're building, we're building, right? You, right? <laughs> Carmen spent like a million hours at my house this year, and we're building the garage. I got injured the first day, and I was kind of handing people tools, and basically friends of mine built my garage for me. Praise God. That was a wonderful thing. But wait, so so Susan's like pumping me from her face. She says, what did you guys talk about? I don't know, measurements? We didn't, <laughs> we didn't talk. What did we talk about? I don't know. We, you know, and she's really into wants to know the, the answer to that question. I'm sorry. I haven't got, I'm out. <laughs> We talk. I guess we talked. I don't know. Like, hey, you wanna wanna get pizza? You wanna get uh, go to Burger King for lunch? It was a deep conversation, really philosophical, really theological, right? That was it. That's all we got. We're not that. We're anyway. But we. But be that person, slow to speak, willing to listen. I think a lot of times. How are you? And then the people sometimes, oh, I'm fine because we're guys. And then if you ask a lady that and she's got a lot of stuff on her plate and she's really struggling, you're going you're gonna to hear it. You're going to get it all. Praise God. Sometimes people need to do that. And you earn the right to speak into somebody's life by being a good listener. Uh, you know, so guys do that too. Okay, it's not, it's, I don't even think that's so. But, you know, mostly guys are very shallow and superficial, right? If that hurts your feelings, guys, it doesn't hurt my feeling. I'm too shallow and superficial to let it hurt my feelings. That, that's my point made, right? Uh, we, we don't, you know, and so, uh, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm fine. And then if you're not, like, you know, sometimes you want to talk and sometimes you want to tell, oh, man, this is, and this is happening, this and this and this. And guys do that too. And listen. Be that sounding board. Be that, let them get it all out and just listen. That's a good thing. And I think Scripture says that. Uh, the guy who's... For, look at the wrath of man works not the righteousness of God. The guy who's always talking is the guy who's flying off the handle. Just chill, listen, let me make my point, let me tell you why this. And now probably all the reasons for you getting all excited and all agitated probably extinguished. But when not, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Is that a surprise to someone? It does. It does work the righteousness of God. Don't you remember Jesus in the temple? Boy, he was letting people know, hey, this is what God's like. Normally, us blowing up and acting crazy and shouting and hollering and threatening, get a vein sticking out of your forehead, you're all acting zany. Nothing good's coming of that. God's kingdom is not being advanced. Our own agenda probably is not even being advanced, not in a good and a safe and a sane way. And I think, you know, I'll give him a piece of my, I'll show him, I'll tell him. Like thinking like we're a spokesman for God, you know, thus saith the Lord. No, you'd probably just be an idiot. I know in times in my life I have been. When I vent my spleen, it doesn't come out like God's kingdom is advanced. Not really. I'm just telling people 
at a, a high volume how I feel about a certain thing. And again, slow to speak. Assess your words. Because once they're out there, yikes, and he's going to tell us about the, the person who can bridle their tongue, but we'll get there. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, because of this, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive the meekness of the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. You say, lay apart all uh, superfluity of naughtiness. I'd do it if I knew what it meant. Um, Overflowing of wickedness. Superfluity. What a great King James word. It's overflowing, okay? Uh, And naughtiness. That's not a word we use. We're a little... Children being, three-year-olds being mischievous. We say, don't be naughty or something. It's a word that, I don't know, it's involved with Santa Claus and gifts or something. Don't be naughty, right? Uh, evil. Okay, we, we understand it to be wickedness. Uh, uh, lay, lay apart all filthiness and the overflowing of wickedness. Okay, instead of that, receive with meekness the engrafted word. Let me tell you something about that. Uh, engrafted is planted word. It's able to save your soul. The, what are you saying? The Bible can save you? Yeah, it's the only thing it can. You say, no, I thought the blood of Jesus Christ saved us. This is exactly correct, but that's where we learn about the blood of Jesus Christ. That's where we learn about the cross. That's where the gospel is contained, in the word of God. By the way, that word which will live forever, everything you know is earmarked for destruction. Everything you know that you hold dear is earmarked for destruction. Great noise, fervent heat, right? In First uh, Peter, tells us all about that. Everything you know has an expiration date on it, except the Word of God, which abides forever. In heaven, we'll still be talking about the Word of God. We won't be talking about the new Subaru we bought. And I'm not picking on Subarus. I mean, you own one. God bless you. I'm not. I just pulled that one out of the hat, right? Whatever. We're not talking about what car we drove eternally. Or what we did for a job eternally. Are we talking about the Word of God eternally? I, I, oh, I absolutely believe that. It's never going to pass away. It's always in vogue in heaven. It's always the current thing. But the, 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 it's, and it's able to save our souls. I want to get away with as much sin as I can get away with and still be saved. No, it's, no, it's the wrong way to look at everything. It's superfluous. <laughs> and that's not exactly what that means there. Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So here he's introducing this topic. For if any be a hearer of the word, not a doer, he's like a, unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he is he being not a forgetful hero, but a doer of the word work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Now, here you go. And let's very famous passage, okay? How many of you have ever forgotten what you look like? That's ridiculous. On the only time I did was in military boot camp, they shaved my head. And I walk him by a mirror and I'm like, oh, because I wasn't expecting to see that. And it kind of gave me a, that was the only time in my whole life ever. Now, I told you before, when I was young, mirrors were fascinating to me. I really fancied myself as a very handsome lad. Uh, as the older and older I get, I'm less and less infatuated with mirrors. And the only time I ever, I ever look into them is to comb my hair. I want to make sure it's actually kind of going where I 
generally want to go. And then later on in the day, I'm just kind of all like this anyway, you know, so it doesn't matter and who cares. And if I'm really looking in the mirror for a long time, it's because I'm shaving. I don't want to cut my nose off. And I want to make sure I get all the shaving cream and all the stubble underneath it. That's why I look in a mirror. And that's why I think mirrors are a really handy thing to have. And I never forget what I look like. Every time I look in a mirror now, because my head's not being shaved, uh, I, I know what I look like, okay? No surprises, ever any surprises. Imagine if I get, every time I look in the mirror, I was like, who is that guy? You say, that's strange. That's almost psychotic. That means you need help. You're not well. You need to see some sort of medical person, right? You get that. It's an absurd, absurd thing. Well, let me tell you what's absurd. Somebody who looks into the Bible, sees what it says, walks away and does whatever they please. That, heavenly, is absurd. You need some sort of help, <laughs> but you need divine help. Because we're all prone to do stuff like that. Okay, you guys in a Bible plan? Any of you guys doing a Bible plan? Any kind of daily? Okay, a lot of us, and a lot of us in the same plan. Lord, what do you have to say to me? <laughs> he has plenty, I'm sure of it. Or we have to believe I'm perfect. He may have a little bit of brush-up work to do. Basically, I got this. How many of us have come to that place? <laughs> you are deceiving yourself. I love you, and you're deceiving yourself, okay? Uh, I've been saved since uh, I was 20 years old. You say, how old are you now? Older, okay? Four, four decades ago, I got saved. And I feel like, I, okay, I've made some strides. I mean, I, I really think so. There were things when I first get in salvation that just aren't an issue anymore. They're in the, the rearview mirror getting smaller and smaller on a daily basis, and they're just not a big issue anymore. Right? You'd expect that, wouldn't you? I always said if I grafted, it looked like a boy go, going upstairs with a yo-yo. I got in here, and I'm kind of here now. I don't know exactly, but and there's been ups and downs. There's been setbacks. There's been times when I've chosen sin over God, like you do, like... I still have a, you know, unless I think it through, unless I pray hard, I still might have a tendency to do sometimes. Because Satan's a liar, but he's a good liar. And my flesh is in league with him. And I have to think this out and pray through and, and lean in hard on God. And, and again, try not to defeat Satan, the power of my own. So he gives me this word. He tells me these things. He says, Adam. So it, he's always there at, the, at, at my prayer time, like, so what do you want me to take away from this? There's always something. So he's showing me like uh, the life of David and how he defeats Goliath. Adam, I want you to step out in faith. There's Goliaths in your life. There's, there's no possible way you're going to defeat this in the power of your own flesh. Do what David did. Trust in me. Does he, is, am I the only one who ever speaks to like this? I, I, I dare say it's not that way because I, I see your posts on, on you version. I see the things that you're saying and how you're, God's speaking to your heart. You guys could teach. Some of you know he's been speaking. You could, you could share that, and, so, and you do. And it's what a benefit, what a blessing. And there's others. Nobody here, I'm sure, okay? But this will go out on the, you know, on the internet and stuff and used to have the radio program, hope to have it again someday, and others will listen to, to what I have to say now. So it's not just, it's, it wouldn't be you, because you're way beyond this. But some people read the Bible and don't obey it, and you're shocked. I know, look at you, you're shocked. No way! Yeah, way. They read this, and, and we're talking about 
Well, this is what the Bible says about fill-the-blank, giving. Well, uh, charity begins at home. What verse are you looking at? What are you talking about? And by the way, when it's talked about charity begins at home, that means love, charity, not charity in the sense of giving. God looks at those who look after themselves. What demonic verse are you reading? That's on the Bible anywhere. God looks after those who realize they need looking after, who call out to him for salvation. He would save. He said, you don't, don't bootstrap religion here. We've bitten the apple. Now we know good and evil. As a matter of fact, we know it better than God, and there's no way we're going to give up ownership of our, in our lives of what's right and what's wrong. We know better than God. Ask anybody, and they'll tell you what's right and what's wrong. And even if the Bible says it, well, I know the Bible says it, but, do you realize anything after the word but is gibberish? Do you realize anything you say after that is blatherskate, is vomit? Well, I know the Bible says this, but, in other words, I'm not going to obey. Deal with it. You're like that guy who looks in the mirror at the perfect law of liberty. Do you realize what an oxymoron is? Law of liberty? Yeah, if you follow God's law, it leads to freedom. It really does. It, it's non-intuitive. I'm going to do everything I want. Therefore, I'm free. You're going to be a slave to sin so fast it'll make your head spin. Been there, done that. I understand how it works. The only real freedom is found in service to Jesus Christ. You look into the law of liberty, and it gives you perfect liberty, perfect freedom. You do it your own way, it's never going to come out good. Don't be a forgetful hearer. Be a doer of the word. This man shall be blessed indeed. So you look, look at my life. It isn't going the way I want to. I have a, a question, and I don't mean this sarcastically, harshly. Are you doing what God's told you to do? It's really that simple. I'm not saying your life will be trouble-free. I'm saying it will be blessed. God says it will be blessed. And if any among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, you're self-deceived. He deceives his own heart. This man's religion is vain. Really? Yeah, so so right there. Well, I'll give you an example of pure, and he used the word religion, okay? Belief system, way of living, okay? We, we're not fussy about religion here. We think that's something that was invented by Satan so that we could appear to be closer to God than we actually are. I don't think he's using that sense. Pure religion, pure spirituality, pure relationship with God, and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself or herself unspotted from the world. Don't let the world in. Don't let it influence your thinking. It's wrong in every instance. In every instance. First John, the whole world lieth in wickedness. Literally, the whole world is lying asleep in the lap of the wicked one. Is exactly what that verse is saying, as I give it to you in kind of modern day English. The whole world is asleep in the lap of the wicked one. That's why the news is Upside down, topsy-turvy. That's why education is the way education is. That's why the government is the way the government is. The whole world is lying in the lap of the wicked one. You want it to be the real deal? You know what it's going to look like? It's going to look like taking care of, uh, of uh, fatherless, the uh, orphans, right, and widows. That's a special place in God's heart. And, and it will look like you showing up, visiting, being helpful, Doing things that need do, being done. 
look at I've kind of gone over here a little bit and I God bless the part that I didn't get to maybe but we'll we'll finish up there uh, if you stand I will read we'll pray and I'll read uh, from Numbers chapter 7 The Lord bless thee and keep thee the Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee shalom. Father, we pray for your blessing on your word and we don't want to be those forgetful hearers. We don't want to be the silly people who forget what we look like. We want your word to find a home in our hearts and to change us eternally for good and for God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. It is our desire to get God's Word out to all, so our podcasts and everything else downloaded from our website is free. But we do have expenses, and if you feel led to give a dollar for this resource, please go ahead and click the Give tab on our website at plowboyministries.org. Grace and peace. And everything I want out dear I count it all as lost Lead me to the cross Where your love poured out